0: Yeah. Hey, come on. Hey. Uh. Baby. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Matthew Jones. Matthew is the head football coach for KCD. That's Kentucky Country Day here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Matthew has been the head coach there since 2012. I believe he's been on the staff since 2011. Head coach since 2012, originally from Georgia. Very uh, fascinating story behind Matthew and his football journey. Really enjoyed today's episode. If you're a fan of The Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Matthew Jones. Matthew is the head football coach for KCD Kentucky Country Day. Matthew, how are you today?
1: Kelly, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Appreciate you coming on. We're connected through a a mutual friend, uh, Victor Edwards. Very nice guy I've known through the uh, Northeast YMCA for, I don't know, 20 years, something along those lines.
1: Fantastic. Vic's one of the best.
0: He is. And it's kind of a a small little community here. That YMCA specifically is uh, real interesting. My dad played basketball there for many years. Um, You know, there's guys I, I can think of. Jerome Harmon, I think he did like one 10-day contract in the NBA. Uh, he, I've seen him up there. Winston Bennett, uh, I played against Rajon Rondo up there many, wow. many years ago. I think it was maybe the summer before we went to Kentucky, but of course, he you know, he smoked me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's
1: done that to a lot of people.
0: I would so. say so. Um, so it's kind of cool. And, and Louisville's, what do they say? A, a small, big city or whatever the verbiage is. It's kind That's of right. a, a tight-knit community. Uh, Victor's certainly a nice guy. Matthew, being this is the first time I've been able to chat with you on the air, we were starting to get into some of the details of your backstory. Prior to us recording, I said, let's just go ahead and throw on The headsets and record. Could you introduce yourself to the Kelly Patrick Show audience? Uh, Where did you come from? Uh, um, What brought you into the world of coaching high
1: school football? Sure. No, that's great. Um, I'm from Rome, Georgia, uh, originally, which is uh, Northwest Georgia. Um, I went to the University of Georgia. Okay. Uh, Mom and dad went there. That's the only place I ever wanted to go. Uh, So I'm a bulldog through and through. Um, Went to UGA when I came back. When I finished UGA, I came back to my alma mater, which is Darlington School. I worked there for seven years, and then I got a great opportunity to move to Louisville, Kentucky, and be the head football coach uh, at Kentucky Country Day. Okay. So the the athletic director at the time at KCD had coached me uh, in high school. Um, So he was here, and uh, when he first started in 2003, his name's Tim Green. When Tim started in 2003, KCD was playing eight-man football uh, with 12 kids on the team. Wow. And uh, essentially, in 2003, he saved – he saved KCD football. Uh, I came in 2011, uh, so at that time he'd built a great foundation of what, what a football program really should look like, uh, and I was fortunate enough at, at 29 years old to, to have a chance to take over a, a program at, at a great school and, and been there ever since. And My wife and I love it here. I um, have a five-year-old son who, who's attending KCD now, um, so just feel super fortunate to have had this, this opportunity and be here in Louisville.
0: Very cool. I, I assume um... – a little bit of a change from from uh, Georgia moving to Kentucky, but it sounds like you like it here.
1: There's a little bit of a you know difference um, between the football in Georgia and Kentucky. Sure, um, and I always tell people you know the top teams in Kentucky could certainly compete in Georgia. Huh. Um, you know the Trinities of the world sure. and, and the teams that win state year in and year out, Beachwood. Okay, schools like that would be fine in Georgia. It's just the depth. Sure, of the Atlanta area. Uh, there's just so many. Big programs with big booster clubs and big coaching staffs. Um, but here, you know, it's it's been great. You know, you just – if you're coaching high school football, you want to be somewhere where you're supported, somewhere where people, you know, value what you do and, and you got good kids.
0: Um, prior to us recording, once again, we were doing a little bit of small talk and talking about the history of the Kelly Patrick Show, of course. Since 2017, I've been recording episodes for this specific incarnation of the podcast. A lot of combat sports focus – You gave a a nice shout-out to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Louisville. Um, uh, Professor Alan Manganello runs a great program there. Sounds like your son enjoys
1: training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Professor Manganello. Yeah, my five-year-old son is about, um, I guess, maybe 12 lessons in uh, to his Jiu-Jitsu career. Wow. Uh, But Alan and his crew are incredible. I mean, you know, you you, you sign your son up for something, you're hoping it'll be something fun that he can get something out of. He's only five. And uh, the first day we went in, just welcomed by Alan and his wife. Um, just a family business, family-oriented, um, and they do a great job. If you can take a group of five, six, and seven-year-olds and make them have fun for an hour, you're a good coach. Sure. And you're doing a good job.
0: I'm curious, and I want to get into more of the background of, of you specifically with football, but while we're talking jiu-jitsu, what prompted you to bring your son into a jujitsu gym? I'm always curious about how that comes about. I assume you did not grow up training jujitsu i did
1: not um a good friend of mine actually probably one of my best friends is in my wedding and, and everything is a head coach and athletic director down in georgia and he's he's been taking jujitsu mm. for about 10 or 11 years wow and he's been selling it to me for like 11 years gotcha he said you know i've done everything he played college football he's lifted he's run he's done all these things and he said he said this is the best thing that i've ever done he played college football he played at georgia tech i oh, loved wow. it i mean he's a great player and um you know, now he's almost 50 or, or just over 50. And still training jiu And still training jiu-jitsu and competing. Wow. wow. And uh, he just said, there's no outlet. There's no better outlet you can learn, lifetime learning. Mm. And um, so, anyway, he's been pushing me. And I'm like, look, you know, and, and then my son, I just, I wanted him to be something physical, something involved that he could do. And uh, it was funny. We were we we're at the gym like the second day, and it was nice and cool in there. And I looked at my wife, and I said, this is a lot better than t-ball. Okay. I mean, there's not For the dust parents. in the yeah, air. Yeah. It's not hot. The kids aren't running all over, and it's organized. And you know that he likes it. So
0: it's an interesting um, world, and and what brings people into the world of jujitsu can be very different things. Uh, a lot of people will sign them, sign their kids up, and they don't really have a a, a differentiation in their mind about whether it's karate mm-hmm. or if it's jujitsu. You know, if it's wrestling. You know, and then they, they go in and they're like, oh, I thought you guys would be doing karate chops and things like that. But jiu-jitsu is a, a, a martial art, of course. You wear the gi, um, but of course more like, you know, wrestling almost in some ways. So it's kind of a, a unique deal. Sure. Um, I, did, I stumbled upon it in 2014, signed my son up first. How old uh, was he? He was four. My daughter was five when she started training. Also, awesome. She's 14 now. She's still, she's still training, you know, a lot of times one day a week, sometimes she'll miss a week. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's, she's, she likes it, you know, and it's a neat little, um, thing to grow with because when you get to be older, uh, then, then the kids can help to teach out the, teach the younger kids. So it's a neat community. It breeds, uh, like trustworthy people for the most part i'm sure occasionally there'll be some people that aren't that great but really it, it has a good way of weeding people out if there's people that are not real family oriented or people you want to be around your kids it's a, a, a kind of a self-sufficient type of environment so it's very cool I, i'm a big fan of jujitsu i was very happy to hear that your son's into it so you grew up playing football i assume i did
1: what age second grade okay second grade um, yep east central gladiators and uh man we I mean, it was a hot, dusty field in Georgia, and we just hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. And, uh, you know, football's changed. Football really has. And, and I think you give credit, you know, to the people that have, like Pete Carroll and others, mm. who've really, you know, pushed the rugby tackling and pushed the idea of taking the head out of the game mm. and pushed the idea of, you know, you don't have to just take the kids out there and bash their heads against each other to, to, to be successful at the game. I know who Pete Carroll
0: is um Of course, USC mm-hmm. uh, Seahawks. Yep. um Where's he at now? He is. Where's is Pete Carroll? I right forget. Now? I don't. He's even, still with the Seahawks. Oh, okay. Yeah, I apologize. I so. I get he's mixed he's up. one of the
1: older coaches in all of coaching. He's okay. got to be in his early seventies.
0: So, if you could elaborate on that, you said the rugby style of tackling. What did yep, you mean so. by that? I'm familiar somewhat with rugby. I know who Pete Carroll is. He was always the cool guy at USC. Reggie Bush. Yep. Matt Leinart, I think Carson Palmer even. Yep, Will Farrell at practice. Okay, yep. yeah, All Will Farrell, yeah, yeah, right in the heart of, you know, Hollywood-type area.
1: Yeah, so there was a guy named Rocky Seto who's a defensive coach for, for Pete. Pete's a defensive coach, too. Okay. Coach Carroll, I, I say Pete like I know him. Um, but anyway, they, they put it online, and it really, it was like a, I mean, it went viral. And they called it hawk tackling because they were with the Seahawks. Hmm. And I mean, they were doing all the shoulder tackling. Shoulder tackling. They were doing it. So, kind
0: of the way you're supposed to tackle, instead of leading with your head, which is real bad for CTE, of course, for your brain. Mm -hmm. And not only yours, but the person you're, in some cases, maybe blindsiding. You're using your head. That's very uh, dangerous. But instead.
1: And and everything that you do with this Seahawks tackling, you can do with no pads on. Okay. So, it almost. That's why it's called rugby almost harkens back to our MMA conversation as far okay. as a lot of it looks like jujitsu. Um, you know, as far as double leg, you're taking a guy down, double leg takedown, you're using your shoulder. Um, you know, so we, we implemented that about six years ago, and uh, a lot's changed since 1987 mm. in uh, Rome, Georgia, in the Little League fields, and uh, it needs to continue. Um, you know, and, and coaches need to make sure that they're keeping those things in mind, um, you know, when they're coaching. Or we're not going to have a, a sport, uh, in the, at least the way that we've known it.
0: Interesting. So you kind of led into starting with the embracing um, effective. Not, not that you're, you know, not that you're advocating. Oh, we're gonna, we won't be as good on defense in exchange for doing things the safer way. That's not what you're saying,
1: right? No. I mean, we're we're working tackling every single day. In fact, we're working tackling more mm. because we can do it with no pads. Okay. We can do it all through June. We can do it in January if we want to. If we go into a padded room, you can you can work on the tackling technique from a knee, from two knees, um, with both people on knees. Mm. Um, and it's you know it's been effective for us. The kids like it. We started at the fifth grade level. So at KCD we have a fifth and sixth grade team, a seventh and eighth grade team, and then nine through twelve. So we have basically three teams there, mm. and um and all of them do it. So when the, the fifth graders come, they start with the rugby tackling, and um. It's been, it's been good for us. So, yeah, started in second grade. I played all the way through. Okay. Um, I was fortunate uh, my senior year of high school to win a state championship. Wow. Uh, okay. 15-0 and in Georgia, uh, which was which was a special memory. Uh, still something that, that's talked about. What uh, position did you play? I played outside linebacker, and I was okay. a special teams captain. Um, but we were a good team. I wasn't one of the better players. I was fortunate to be around well. a lot of the good ones. I would say I was the – if you came out to our practice and saw us play, you'd say that guy right there may end up being a coach one day. I okay. was kind of that guy. Okay. Um, certainly not the most talented. Certainly not the quarterback. Certainly not the the star of any team. Uh, but definitely just loved it.
0: Always defense.
1: Mostly always defense. Okay. Yeah. Um, and just loved every aspect of it. And and um, actually, I started coaching as a 19 year old undergraduate when I was at UGA. Okay. So just missed it. When you were at UGA. Yep. At UGA. Found a local high school. Okay. Found an assistant coach. Ah. Uh-huh. And he said, look. You knew you
0: wanted to be a coach. Pretty much. Okay. And he said,
1: start showing up and we'll put you to work. And I said, that's what I'll do. Okay. So, they couldn't run me out of there then. I was there.
0: Um, talking about the tackling. So, you're defensive. You predominantly played defense. You mentioned 1987. Guys come up. In my mind, Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> you know, later on, Sean Taylor. Sure. Um you know people like that who would sure. just lay someone out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's not as consistent with the approach that you use now. But when you played, you were—I f- assume—you were a fan of those really vicious hits.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what you watch NFL films. Yeah. John Facenda. You want to see the hits. You want to see Dick Butkus. Sure. You know the head slap, Deacon Jones, and and all those things. And again, our game has evolved so much. The mm. equipment's so much better. The tackling technique's so much better. I think we've you know with the heat. Like, for example, today. Oh, wow. I looked heat,
0: at it earlier. It's 92. I don't even know what the humidity is. The heat index
1: is going to be 105, 106, 107. Um, you know, we're out there with ice towels today, putting ice towels on our players' necks at 830 this morning. Oh, wow. And I don't know so how many morning. staffs are um, are still doing that or doing that, but I hope they are. Yeah. You know, I hope they are. And, you know, f- because our game, is it's got so much to offer. It's got so much to offer young people, and we need to make sure we're smart about it.
0: I assume you're a Georgia fan. I am huge. Do you have any favorite players of all time? Well, you know, I, di- I didn't live to see Herschel Walker.
1: I was going to mention
0: Herschel Walker. I guess Sean was good, more recent. Yep,
1: but I grew up with with Herschel videos and okay. Herschel calls. Of course, Larry Munson, okay. uh, the legendary Georgia announcer. Um, so, when, when I was in college, I would take my headphones and everybody would listen to the broadcast while the game was going on, like live in, in the stadium. Mm. Uh, that was a big thing to do. Uh, but, no, grew up going – uh family head season tickets to Georgia. Uh just you know, Vince Dooley at the Rome, Georgia Rotary Club, signing a you know, piece of paper that I kept for twenty years and all those things, you know, that, that, that make college football great.
0: Off the top of my head, and I didn't know headed into this interview you're from Georgia, but off the top of my head a lot of NFL players through Georgia. I'm thinking, I don't know, Champ Bailey maybe Champ Bailey.
1: Richard Seymour. Richard Seymour. Okay. Yeah, that's two uh, pretty good ones. A
0: lot more than that.
1: Matthew Stafford. Okay,
0: wow. Um, yeah. He, yeah, he's yep.
1: – So, came from Dallas, Texas, DGA and
0: Number one overall pick, and it's yep. certainly uh, not been a bust. No, no. Uh, number one, you got to uh, – you know, quarterback at number one oftentimes doesn't quite always pan out. Peyton sure. Manning. Um, you know, really, it's a short list of guys who are taking number one overall and then turn out to be – you know, fulfill their expectations, but Stafford's one of
1: them. When we went, um, we went to Georgia um, for the coaching clinic in March, which was great. We got to see a couple of practices anyway. When you go in the uh, the new lounge that they built for the players around the top, there's a video board that scrolls, and it has the career earnings of all the NFL players wow. that are currently playing from uh, Georgia from from UGA. So, I mean, that's recruiting. Yeah, from that's recruiting one hundred and one. Oh, okay, that's smart. Uh, I but, love it. But it goes around on a ticker wire, so you can see. You know, Stafford's got to Stafford, be Six hundred and However many, who knows, million. Wow! Because uh, he's what, fifteen or fourteen years into the league. That's wild. Um, yeah. So anyway, Georgia's a great. You know, obviously for college football, there's not many better places to be. But we've also enjoyed being here and having a chance to be U of L fans, and mm. you know, Kentucky enjoying Kentucky doing well, and um, you know, haven't had a chance to go up to IU and see a game, uh, but that's on my list. I've been to Notre Dame. Oh, I made wow. it for the Notre Dame Louisville game. Okay. Uh, what five, four or five years ago? Yep. Uh, So just trying to see a new area, new area of the country and different football.
0: I'm a lifelong Bengals fan, and, you know, for the amount of time he – Represented the Bengals, A.J. Green. Oh, yep.
1: That's UGA guy. Yep. Played yep. with no Sean and Stafford. Okay. Yep. I don't know how they didn't win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they should have won the championship. And then,
0: you know they probably had all sorts of five-star guys on the defensive line and everything, too. So Plenty of them. There yeah. was another one,
1: Geno Atkins. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was golly. Great yeah, he's yeah, a Georgia Bulldog, too. Big sack. Uh, uh, somewhat just,
0: undersized defensive tackle. Yep. But I say undersized. You know, strong, but I don't think he was super tall. One of my speedy. favorite,
1: you said favorite Georgia players. One of my favorite ever was, was David Pollock. Oh, wow. Another bingle. Yeah. Um, and uh, him and Odell Thurman
0: hurt. were drafted the same year. Odell ended up quite exceeding productivity-wise, although he was a little bit of a troublemaker. But
1: Yeah, Pollock was – I mean, he was a three-time All-American uh, at Georgia. And one
0: an, t- a successful announcer, right? Sorry to interrupt Yes, yes, yes. He's okay.
1: ESPN, college game day. He's doing great. it's like the next Kirk Herbstreit.
0: And Odell also played for Georgia.
1: He did, too. Okay. I think he may have been a junior college kid or something, but, okay. yeah, he came to Georgia. Um, one, one funny story about Pollock um, – as a coaching clinic, this is way back when I was at UGA, so I'm an undergrad. I'm at this coaching clinic with all these coaching guys from Georgia. So in the old building they had there, they had a narrow hallway. And Pollock was, I guess, maybe a junior. It was maybe his third year. He, he, he was a big star. He was a way. big star. So he decided that he was going to take a nap, and he fell sound asleep in the middle of the hallway. Ooh. I mean, snoring. So there's like, imagine 80 high school coaches trying to figure out whether they should step over him or wake him up or step around him. And, I mean, he didn't care. Yeah. He was the big man on campus. Okay, he slept he, where he wanted to sleep. Okay, and uh, I just remember that about Pollock. I remember thinking, "Well, there he is, right there." You know, I was wanting to see him practice. So. He had a real bad injury. Was that his his rookie year in the NFL? Because I think he was a first round draft pick. He definitely was. Yeah, he had some kind of spinal narrowing or something that they discovered, and basically were like, "You know, that's it." Yeah, you know, I don't know if he was actually injured and carted away, or he they just discovered it in a routine checks. Um, but anyway, he couldn't play the game anymore, so. But but no, all all great fun and great Georgia Bulldogs. You could probably sit and talk, do a podcast episode for
0: in you know indefinite hours talking about the history of Georgia football.
1: Yeah, that's you know it, it's just kind of where you grow up in Georgia, just football. And, and I notice a lot of the same with UK basketball. Oh, okay, or, yeah. around here. Yep, yep. You know, I, I can you can sort of you know see a parallel there with you know like guys will they'll be talking about basketball and they'll say you know you remember old. You know Jim Johnson, who played seventy eight for UK, and I'm like, no, I don't know Jim Johnson. (laughs) Like
0: I, but but they do, and he may not even have started. No, but he was the guy, second guy off the bench or whatever, and it just holds a special spot in your heart. Sports are are uh, kind of fascinating with a certain regional cultures. Not just the United States. You go to Europe, and they're like, you know, football or soccer, whatever you want to call it. yeah, similarly huge.
1: crazy hundreds of thousands of people going just crazy yes and i know the soccer program here has generated a lot of buzz mm. um, the louisville the Lou city team uh, which is exciting so. i i assume football is your favorite sport do you have a second favorite gosh I, i'll watch anything um yeah i mean i you know i like the braves baseball okay, okay. you know i keep up with them they win the championship last year which is cool yeah uh for long-suffering braves fans sure um not too much basketball. I do like uh, a little bit of March Madness. I did get into U of Okay, when they were rolling. Sure. When they won it, when they had Patino. You've been and, here since
0: 2011. Yeah. Said. Okay. So I got well, a chance to kind of yeah, come yeah. right into the yeah. fun.
1: That was exciting. Um. Yeah, that was fun. I remember my first scrimmage at the Yum Center. They were scrimmaging Bellerman. Okay. And um, I got tickets. I'm like, let's just go over there and check it out. Went in Rome. I mean, 24,000 okay. people yep, yep. screaming their head off. I mean, in Georgia, when it's college basketball, people throw tickets on the ground and don't even pick them up. I mean, people, I mean, I don't think I went to two Georgia basketball games the whole time I was there.
0: There's some guys who've come through Georgia. Um, Dominique Wilkins. Dominique Wilkins, uh, of course. Mark Price, Georgia Tech. Georgia, or
1: Georgia Tech had some better better okay. history. So Stephon been, Marbury goes oh, like Stephon that. Stephon Marbury, yeah. But, but, but as far as Georgia basketball, it's, it's terrible. And when you go in the Yum Center and they're playing Duke or North Carolina, sure, they cut yeah, the lights out. It reminds
0: you probably of like Georgia versus uh, whatever SEC I'm rival. I'm like, man, this yeah. is
1: awesome. What's the big rival for the, the Georgia Bulldogs? Gosh, they have a lot of rivals. Okay. So Florida's a big rival. Okay. Auburn's a big rival. Mm. Georgia Tech's a big rival. Okay. Um, so th- they have a lot of rivals. Of course, a matchup with like
0: Alabama would be a big game. So in the national
1: championship this year, got a chance to go up there. Oh wow! And uh, and see the game Lucas Oil and, and and it was just I mean for a for a Georgia fan it was it's pretty special. Forty one years since they'd won it. So very cool. Um, but yeah. So again, again, being at KCD, I mean, what a tremendous opportunity to get a chance to to do things that normally I wouldn't get to do. And you've been the head coach there since. 2012. So I came in 11 as okay. the head coach in waiting okay. for Coach Green, who was the, the AD who brought me here. So and he
0: was the AD and the head football AD coach. The He's the coach. one who kept it on life support, kept KCD football alive. He got you. He was like, I'll get somebody from football country, bring him in, get yep. connections to you, uh, brings you in, and you've kind of been in charge ever since.
1: Yep. So he basically said, come here, be my defensive coordinator, get the lay of the land. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you like it and everything's good, then in November you'd be the head coach. So November of 11, when the season ended, I became the head coach. Had an opportunity to, to be the head coach since then, and we built something that I'm super proud of, and, and a lot of other people are too. You know, our kids, they don't grow up with football necessarily. A lot of our, a lot of our KCD parents didn't play. Mm. They don't necessarily come from super football-rich backgrounds sure. as far as a bunch of D1 or NFL or even high school players. Um, but what we have is a bunch of smart kids. They're used to being successful. They're successful in the classroom. Sure. They're successful in their plays or their instruments or their other sports, whatever they've done. Um, they give football a try because they know we're going to take care of them and treat them the right way, and um, they take a lot of pride in it. And we've 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 gotten a lot of mileage out of working hard, having pride, having smart kids that care, and um, it's been it's been something to see really has.
0: What has been the most rewarding part of your time at KCD? You came in 2011, took over as head coach in 2012. I'd imagine there's a lot of answers you could throw at that. Um, But if you had to choose, what is the most rewarding
1: part of your job thus far at KCD? Sure. The rewarding part is when the kids come back. The kids come back to see us. Okay. And as a coach, there's nothing more that, that makes your day and when you see a kid who graduated 3 4 or 5 years before who shows up and you know just says hey coach I just wanted to come by and see the team I wanted to come by and see you mm. hope you're doing well how's your family and then you know it's just because we have a small team we're a relationship I mean we're 100% relationship based so i mean we're we're taking care of the kids holistically you know what i mean like sure. we're not we're not putting them out there to win us games so that our egos can can be fed by that Okay. We're putting them out there to have relationships with them. And, um, and I think they see that. And I think if we ever lose sight of that, I think we've lost sight of what's important. Okay. As far as it, definitely at our school. Do you get students who stick around
0: afterward, end up maybe becoming assistant coaches, things like that, we've I We've had a
1: lot of guys come back for a year here, a year there. Most of our kids go on to okay. far away places and gotcha. do big things. Yeah. Um, but, yes, if they can, they always want to come back and help. But we've had guys do everything from – hey come throw passes for our, you know at practice for us the quarterback from a few years ago um, they're happy to do it happy to do it and then and then just the parents gosh just the relationship that i made with with parents and with people like vic edwards who we talked about earlier sure and and, and countless countless others um, who've just you know done great things for me and my family and and just had great times just being together and i don't know you know it's it's, it's truly a family when you, when you have an average of you know thirty players nine through twelve, you can get close with people, you know you you can get to know them, sure, and uh and you can and you can keep that relationship going, um and then I think people see that I think people appreciate it. What do you
0: what are your thoughts on dual sport athletes?
1: Absolutely, it's a great question. I mean, we absolutely love it, and we have to have it at KCD. Um, you know, there's all those every year of the draft I always. You know, I never can remember the statistics, but every year the NFL draft comes around, mm. and they always talk about the number of multi-sport guys, mm. and it's always huge majority sure. of the guys. And um, you know, year-round sports, a lot of people make their living off of that. A lot of people are making a good living off of that.
0: So. Summer basketball leagues, different types of football league. Tr- you know, yeah, football training. is
1: kind of the sport that's sort of staying out of that. Just okay. a little bit yeah, as far as like I, year-round teams. I'm not real
0: familiar with it, but that's what you're referring to. Year-round athletes, people make a living off that. And so they're like, all right, you want to be a basketball player. Let's specialize. And you'll be in an AAU league in the offseason, and then another one, and then another one, and then it's time for the high school team. That's right. what you're referring yeah. to. Yeah,
1: and you know, I would always encourage any parent and anybody that's listening, right, to make sure to vet out who your kid's playing for, mm. right? So it, just for example, Let's say there's 75 AAU teams. Well, there's only going to be a few tournaments that matter, okay. right? So if your son's not going to be on the team and the tournament that matters, then he's going to be playing in empty gyms. And um, there's nothing wrong with that if, if, a, if a kid loves loves that sport and and really wants to, you know, do that. Uh, but again, I mean, if, if there's another sport going on and he could be involved in something special um, in a team environment, you know, um, I would encourage any kid to play as many sports as they can. And and I've heard that message again and again and again from from people throughout my career, um, from other coaches, from college coaches. I think Urban Meyer had a long thing about it. It's funny when when college coaches come in to recruit our kids, mm-hmm. they want to know what are their track times. If they're a skill guy, mm. they want to know what their track times are. Wow,
0: that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because you get I mean, end up eventually getting to the NFL Combine. You know, for the whatever percentage of kids sure. it is, not many, but for some, that's the type of thing that. Sure. Uh, Indicate it's not always the case, but indicates uh, potential future success. Of course, there's exceptions. I always think of Vonte's perfect. He ran like a real slow forty, right? But he was just happened to be a real good attack on people or right, whatever. Right, so there's right. exceptions, but those measurable, um, you know, forties and whatever two hundred it, meters. It's
1: hard to quantify the the talent, the level of competition. So if I'm the coach at you know, some school okay. in Illinois, sure, and I'm turning on KCD. I have no idea how good KCD is or sure. who KCD's playing. Sure. Or what, I don't know. I can't, you know, I don't have time to do all that research. So if I can see a track time. Sure. And I can compare apples to apples. I can say, hey, this kid I'm recruiting right here ran a, a 10,700. This kid at KCD runs an 11.5. Okay. Well, I want the 10,7. Sure. You know, I mean, if, if in my eyes on film they look, Relatively equal.
0: And, of course, there will be exceptions. You guys know that. That's part sure. of what makes football beautiful.
1: There will be a kid that will grow six inches or sure. three inches or speed up or slow down or, or just has a knack
0: for has a knack. hitting the hole as a running back or on defense, you know, he's good at, uh, you know, reading the quarterback's eyes or whatever it is.
1: Right. We've had a lot of kids go on to great academic schools. So, for example, we had a kid who was a state player of the year in Class 1A, which is the smallest schools in Kentucky, and he was a running back. Small, undersized, but tough, smart. So anyway, he had opportunity to go to MIT. Wow. So the coach from MIT called me and said, Coach, he said we've we've looked the nation over. We feel like there's twenty running backs that can come to our school. I said I Academically. Academically. Okay. So MIT packet.
0: I assume is not the type of place that they're an academic school, but for the football players, they're like, ah, eh, we'll let you slide. They right. hold the same they're, standards to everybody. They're
1: going to have a spot or two. Okay. So, you know, imagine 50 states, every single person that plays football in the country mm-hmm. and narrow this list down to 20. Wow. And they're okay. like, look, we feel like your kid's the best one. We're going to take it. Wow. And uh, and we joke and we always say, you know, some some 4.5 kid in California got denied because mm-hmm. you could run the football. You know, and we joke. He came to visit not too long ago, and we, do- we joked about that. But he's still playing there. But, but anyway, so the opportunity to, you know, have a great career at K C D academically and athletically has led a lot of kids to to schools like that in places where they might not have normally been able to get in. Okay. So
0: of course we're talking a lot about college football, a little bit about the NFL. When it comes to high school football, mm-hmm. some people joke about like recruiting. Okay. Sure. Does recruiting happen in high school football?
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean I think it I think recruiting happens in all different ways. Okay. So, you know, the word recruiting has gotten such a bad name because it seems like you're doing something that's not legal. Okay. Right? And that now that's cheating. Right? So, I would say recruiting happens. I'd say cheating's probably pretty rare. You know, the teams that that are the haves, the teams that everybody knows are going to put a great product on the field, are going to send kids to play at the next level, have the turf fields, have the the big coaching staffs, right? That's where the people want their players to go. Okay. And it's just, so it, just is it may what it not is. be that you're
0: breaking any rules, but by putting out a great product with the turf fields, with the extensive, impressive uh, coaching staff, you don't even have to do much beyond put a good, great product
1: out there. And that's a form of recruiting. Right. right. I mean, Trinity just got a jumbotron that's 40 feet high and wow. 40 feet tall, and they're going to have digital, everything's going to be digital. I mean, you know, that's going to attract kids. And coaches, right? So if I'm an eighth grade coach and I've got a player who's a star, right, I'm going to look at the schools that are the most successful in the city in football, right? So for KCD, and I don't want to speak for any other schools, for KCD, we're the top academic school in the state. Okay. And we have no leeway academically. Mm. So for me, I've got to look for a specific and certain type of of student athletes,
0: did you you knew what you were getting into when you accepted the position here? Yeah, you know, like what you're hey, into come it. to a place, Louisville, Kentucky, not not football country, and you can only recruit nerds. Yeah, you gotta you gotta <laughs> take guys, and that's of course not a negative word. I mean, people who are real good at school and statistically will go on to have a lot of success outside of football later on in life. Right,
1: and I mean, our tuition is is twenty five thousand dollars a year, mm. so we have the highest tuition in the uh, state. Wow, now we have over 3 million dollars of need-based financial aid. Okay. Annually. Now, what does need-based mean? That means that somebody needs needs aid and can get into our school. Okay. So it's a it's a double-edged sword, right? So yeah, we I can find a lot of people who need aid. Sure. But how many people can I find that can come to KCD and handle the academic load that they're going to be placed under? Okay. There's no knock if they can. Sure. Right? But we don't ever want to set anybody up to fail either. So when I have a chance to talk to kids or parents that are interested in our own, which we have to work hard to to retain our own as well, our own seventh graders and eighth graders. Because mm, if they get
0: too good, maybe they'll go to a if – they, if they're all in with football, maybe they'll
1: transfer go to another school. A bigger school, sure. So, you know, a kid that's – maybe they came to KCD in junior kindergarten. They've been there nine years. They're finishing their eighth grade year. They think, man, I – I'm going to go look around, mm. right? I've been here nine years. I'm kind of tired of this place, right? So what do, what do you say, you know, what, what do you, how do you talk to that person? Well, you say, you know, we're Harvard. Like we don't, like we don't make any bones about who we are academically and what we, what we stress, right? So football will just be a part of your experience. Okay. It won't be all of your experience. Hopefully you're going to play more than one sport. Hopefully you're going to be in the band. Hopefully you're going to be in the play. You know, I mean, we, we want you, we need you to be involved in all aspects of school life. Like, for example, at our school, we don't have a lock on any locker. Mm. We don't have a locker in our athletics, a lock in our athletics facility. We don't have a lock in our high school our middle school or lower school. Interesting. It's just, it's just, it's just the culture that we have.
0: Right. So, People who are there want to be there. It's pretty transparent why they're there. There's, yep. Yeah. You don't have as much to worry
1: about. You got a hundred percent of your graduates going to college. 100%. 100%. And wow. colleges that you and I maybe never dreamed of going
0: to. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, was a poor student in high school. I had to go to a community college before transferring to IUS, so that would not have been me. Right. Georgia's
1: yeah. a great school, and, and it's gotten better and better, of course, as Atlanta's gotten bigger. But, I mean, when I went to Georgia, you know, we got kids going to MIT, Harvard, MIT's Yale. Wow. You know, I mean, these schools that – you know, U Chicago schools like that, and Washington and Lee. We got a couple kids there. Um so anyway, if you understand where you are and what's what you're getting into, it's a fantastic place to coach because you're dealing with phenomenal kids, great grades. Yes sir, no sir. They'll go as hard as you want them to go. They're used to working hard. Mm-hmm. You know now they may not be you know football since they were in kindergarten and that's all that they live their life for. Uh-huh. But that's okay. You know if they if they'll play hard on Friday night and give everything they got, you know when we ask them to, then we got something. A lot of high school football coaches are also teachers. Sure. You do that? I teach ninth grade world history. Okay, world uh, history. Yep. Very cool. I've also taught um, middle school uh, PE at KCD. And then at my previous school at Darlington, I taught uh, 11th grade U.S. history.
0: Darlington was in?
1: In Rome, Georgia. In Georgia. Yep. Is so, that a,
0: a private school? Private school.
1: It's actually a unique dynamic, so it's day boarding. So there's 300 day students from that area and then 180 boarding students from all over the world. Wow. So that was a unique place to live. I lived there on campus for seven years. Unique place to live and coach and teach and work to. The school you went to in Georgia, Darlington.
0: Okay, so you you were a product
1: of private schools. This is no not foreign to you. Coming in as a ninth grader. Okay, so I came to Darlington as a ninth grader from public school. Okay, um, which gave me a good perspective on on both places. Okay, what they're both like, and um, you know, I think there's some great there's some fantastic kids that come out of public school that could succeed at our school. Any day of the week. Sure. Oh, um, academically.
0: You know, yeah, there's certainly. Tons. Yeah. Plenty.
1: And, um, and all, all the schools, you know, have a, have a certain track to where, you know, it's that same type of kid I'm talking about. Um, but our school just happens to be only one track as opposed to multiple.
0: What did you major in at Georgia?
1: Political science. Okay. So I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, my uncle had a small town law firm, and I thought that's what I would be mm. until I, I just, I think I missed football too much. Just I couldn't I couldn't get it out of my out of my blood, out of my system, you know. I'm Saturday morning I'm checking high school scores and you know, my buddies are still sound asleep from the night before in Athens. Yeah. Uh and I'm like, man, there's something wrong with me. You know, like I'm a football guy. Do you foresee yourself being a football
0: coach as long as you can? That's kind of your plan indefinitely. I think
1: that's the plan indefinitely. Okay. I think I'll probably um I'll probably be coaching and, and just uh Kind of passed away right there on the field one day. <laughs> um, so, anyway, no, we, we joke about that, but but it's great. I'm going into year 22. Wow. I think I still How old got, are you? I'm 41. Okay. I think I still got a little bit of juice left. Um, it's just, you know, it's exciting, and, and every Friday night and every season is so exciting. Like, for example, this year, I want to talk a little bit about this year's team. Okay, great. Um, we've got 28 incoming freshmen. 28. Is in that, which is the largest said 90 class.
0: normally from 9 through 12, so 28's large.
1: Oh gosh, the biggest class we've ever had at KCD since I've been there's thirteen. Wow. wow! So we've doubled that, and um, just the n- influx of those kids has put so much energy into our program you can't imagine. Mm. And whether any of them play on Friday night or not, which some a few of them will, um, but man, how exciting to have twenty eight kids that are just ate up with football. Wow! And ready to go. Um, so our roster right now is is at fifty three, which is the highest it's ever been. That's nine through twelve. Last year, for example, we were at twenty six. So we go from twenty six to fifty three, and um, again, that just you know that just energizes me and, and the school and the coaching staff and the start of school. You know, football is kind of your your tone setter sure. for your year, sure, in high school. Yeah, you know those Friday night lights and that those fall days and nights and I mean, you know, all the other sports are great, but nothing sets a tone like football. Sure, so.
0: Um specifically current roster headed into next year are you able to mention like i don't know this may differentiate or you know separate some of the kids versus the others i don't know if you want to answer this but who are your best players headed into this season
1: sure we've got some a lot of guys back. So we've got 10 starters back on defense
0: on defense ten which eleven, is,
1: which is really big for okay. us obviously we started a lot of sophomores last year um and all these guys are, are you know coming back so you know, on the defensive line, I think we're going to be really strong. Um, will Liggett's going to be a senior. He'll be a he's a two way player. So for us, guys mostly play two ways. Sure. So if I mention somebody's name, they're probably a two way starter. So Will will play center for us. He'll be in his fourth year starting. Uh, he started yeah, as a seven. freshman, so okay. being the center. Yeah. Um, and then he'll play defensive line. Um, another kid named Rex Rumpke. He'll be an outside linebacker and a tight end. Mm. Uh, Rex will do a great job. Another kid named Alex Ramirez is a tight end and, a, and our middle linebacker. Um, so those are some of our seniors that are really two-way two-way standouts. Uh, and then a big junior class, of course, Vic's son, Cam Edwards. Uh, he's grown. Gosh, Cam's about six-four. He's dunking a basketball now. Um, and he's going to be good at corner and receiver for us. Another kid named Troy Humphreys is a standout player, um, receiver and corner. They, p- they both play the same position. Right, we'll have a new quarterback this year, a young man named Ethan Harris. I've known Ethan, gosh, since he was in the sixth grade or fifth grade. Um, and just, just, you know, been a great kid, great family. And uh, he's grown, and he's going to have a great season. Uh, so we're excited about a lot of our guys. What type of
0: offense does your team normally run? Is it a run-heavy yep. offense, uh, 60% running, 70% running, and then, you know, 40 or 30% passing? Or what type of a, a balance do you have?
1: So we're about a 60-40 run, run-to-pass team. And it's funny, actually, that you asked that, because the last seven years we've been in the single wing which okay. I don't know if you know anything about the single wing. So it's the oldest football offense in in the world. So Could you, um, for me, and then the listeners sure. who
0: don't know, describe, of course, an eye as like a you got a court, a center, a quarterback, and maybe a fullback. Yep,
1: and a tailback behind And him. a tailback. What, what, what's
0: so what the unique thing about wing? the
1: single wing? It's all in the shotgun. Okay. And you actually do not have a quarterback. So we called him a quarterback, but the true single wing guys don't call him that. So your backs are literally split. Two running backs. Behind the guards. Okay. There's not anybody behind the center, which is the first thing you see that's super old school That's why you say old school. So, Pop Warner 1905 uh, offense that was invented. Either of those guys can pass the ball. Can pass it, can catch it, can run it.
0: Ah, wow.
1: You have a wing back, which is where the single wing comes from, and then most people are unbalanced. So, we are guard, tackle, tackle. Okay. So, you got two big guys beside each other, really three if you count the. You court. mentioned
0: a couple tight ends earlier, and that type of formation, not so
1: much. You have an over tight end who's on the line, four yards outside the tackle. Okay. So, you got center, guard, guard. tackle, tackle, over tight end. Wow. And a wing. Wow. So, you got a big, heavy, overloaded side. Okay. And then you got a run back side. So, we've, it's funny, we sort of made our name being in the single wing, and, and people say, you know, I'll see them and they'll say, "God, I hate your offense because it's so different." Sure, okay. And I sort of always equated it to, like when Paul Johnson was at Navy or Georgia Tech, okay, like running the, the triple option, okay, right? So
0: just because no, it's very unique and it's difficult to game plan, nobody for. sees it. It's okay. not
1: the same as anybody else, and um, we've had a lot of success running the single wing. So we still have some of those principles. We have a more of a passing quarterback now. So one of our challenges has been. How do we? How do we morph from what we've done? Keep mm. the good stuff, mm. right? And still and still be able to take advantage of who we have.
0: I would imagine having a running a single wing offense where the center knows who he's going to snap the ball to could be slightly to his left, could be slightly to his right. I would imagine having an experienced center headed into the season, as you do, is
1: pretty important, it's hugely important. Yep. And I get a lot of questions. It's funny. I've actually had a chance to speak nationally about the single wing. Mm. Which is there's sort of a I'll say a cottage industry just because I don't know of a better way to say it, but seven or eight schools in every state, sometimes more, but about that many are running the single wing. Mm. So they have an interest in getting single wing guys to come speak at certain clinics or certain coaches gatherings. So I had a chance to go to some and a lot of the questions I get are about the snap. I would, we, I'm just thinking about it, I'm
0: guessing that would be something he's really got to be on. Because if he accidentally one down, you know, snaps it to the wrong guy or right in the middle or anything, it could be a lot of ways to screw that up. Sure,
1: and there's actually another way to snap it and hold it between his legs and the up-back would take it. So there's a lot of teams that run the wedge play. Oh, okay. Um, so he
0: snaps it, kind of holds it on his butt. The, the guy, guy runs up, it, grabs it, runs behind and the guard. there's all
1: kinds of misdirection in the backfield with it. So, anyway, wow. it's, a, it's kind of fascinating. Actually, Southern High School uh, here in town, Yeah. Uh, their coach was Mike Gossett. Uh, he retired now, but, but Mike came, and he, he adapted the single wing from us, and they did it under center. Under center. And, okay. man, it was tough. I mean, it was tough. They were the best quarterback sneak team you've ever seen. You'd say were under, under, center, under center, under so center. They had a, a true, like you'd see a quarterback, under okay. center. And then they a, were running the single wing plays.
0: Okay, half back and to your
1: left and to your right. Half back left and right, and a wing back. Okay. And, I mean, they were very successful with it. So there's tons of ways to adapt it. And, and it's been fun to share share ideas and, you know, get in a room with 30 coaches out in you know Las Vegas or Indy or wherever we've been to share, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just fun. You get to meet a lot of people from all over the country, and and it's interesting, and they keep up. I get texts from from all over the place about the single wing.
0: So someone runs single wing in uh, Minnesota. They're you gonna, might, you they're might know call them.
1: them. Yeah, they're going to call Yeah, say, Coach, you know, hey, trying to run this play, you know, what have you guys done?
0: Do any college teams run single wing? maybe not maybe not even division one i don't know but i'm asking because it's interesting of course i'm not real familiar with it does it transfer from middle school
1: high school and then does it even go up at all it's great to middle school it's we actually i mean we're never going to get away from it with our middle school it's really easy to teach them and it's really fun to teach them um you don't have to have a great quarterback that can throw all over the place if you're in the single wing it helps it's nice to have but you don't have to um College-wise, the, the guy who had the most single-wing sort of influence was Gus Malzahn. Okay. So when he was at Springdale, Arkansas, he had some elements of that. Then he brought some to Auburn. Okay. A lot of the stuff with what we call a sniffer, but like an up-back, sort of like an offset fullback. Okay. Um, a lot of that, that kind of misdirection and reverses and things off of that. Uh, when he had Nick Marshall – at Auburn. Big running back. Well, yeah, Nick Marshall was a quarterback. I'm sorry, quarterback. Fly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm sorry. Quarterback who was physical.
1: Could fly. Yeah, very And very uh, they were um, very single wing ish. He was
0: kind of tall, wasn't he? Tall, I yep, think. Tall. Okay. He's, a,
1: he's a Georgia kid. He okay. um, actually played DB and got recruited to Georgia, wanted okay. to play quarterback, and ended up at Auburn. So, not your typical. Was he after Cam Newton? After Cam Newton, okay,
0: yep. that's what I'm remembering. Uh, yeah, athletic guy who had to fill the shoes of Cam
1: Newton. Yep, and and you know, so they they were kind of the most that, that most single wing guys would they would always try to get Auburn filled. Mm-hmm. They always wanted to see what on how he was incorporating the the positions and the and the look. But anyway, so the single wing's been great. It's been fun. Seven years. We've been in it. We've been busting our butt in it, and um, now we got a little bit different cast of characters. You said so, you have more of a passing quarterback, more passing this quarterback, year. more receivers. Um, which, again, most high school football teams are going to have maybe one that receiver that is really dangerous, that's okay. going to scare people. Um, we have several that we think are good for, for our level um, and a good quarterback. So, again, as we've sort of combined things, elements, because we don't want to go away from what's made us sure who we are. But at the same time, we also don't want our 160-pound quarterback lead blocking Mm. Like he has to do sometimes in the single wing.
0: Oh, okay. Because if you're up there in the single wing, you're the passing quarterback. You're not going to get the ball on on every play,
1: right? You're going to lead block for the running back. Well, mm. If you run sweep, you're on the right side. You're going to run sweep to the right. He's the lead blocker. So um, it's interesting. It's fun. It's fun to and it's fun to you know work with the pieces that you have year in and year out.
0: About what's the average weight for let's say an offensive lineman? It's a specific question. I don't know if you've thought about it, but I'm curious. Yeah, we're, we're curious. big
1: across the front this year, so it varies. You know, we're going to be um, – our biggest kid's a little bit over 300 pounds. Okay. Um, you know, he's he's probably 5'11". Okay. So he's a short, thick, strong. I mean, he's he's tough, especially on defense, to move. Um, you know, we have a guard that's 170. Okay. So, I mean, we'll play with some smaller kids up front. We've played with really tiny lines. Uh, we typically will have one or two big – I say big. Say 230 or more. Maybe one, maybe two. Uh, this year we got a couple more that are a little bit bigger. Okay. Um but you know high school you got to work with what you got. Sure. Especially a small school. So you've got to, you know, you've got to take what you have and you've got to figure out how to make those guys successful. You've got to you've got to help them use the gifts that they have.
0: Of course I'm mostly familiar with like NFL um offense and defense. So my terminology will be more specifically catered to NFL, but if we transition to defense, what well, sure. can you tell me about your your team's identity or style on the other side of the ball, the defensive sure, side?
1: Sure, we play a 3-man front. Okay. Um, because we have so few linemen. Okay. So I grew up in a 4-man front. That's what I was always most comfortable with. That's what I wanted to run. But when you only have five linemen total, you play five on offense, you turn around, you're going to play four of the five on defense. It's a lot of plays for the big guys. Okay. So, we transitioned to a three-man front several years ago. We've had a ton of success with being in a three-man front. We move. We slant some, which gives high school offenses trouble. Anytime the guy in front of them is going one way or the other, Mm. they have a hard time blocking that typically. Um, We have um, five linebackers. So, we're uh, what we call a three five three. Okay. So, we have five linebackers. We're always going to have more skinny guys, more space guys. um, So, that's fit us. So again, we've we've adapted to fit to fit what we will typically have. Um, if we ever had a bunch of linemen, we might get back in some four man front. Um, but again, we've been a three man front; it's been good to us. A lot of the teams we play are spread, so everybody wants to be spread. They want to be in the shotgun, four and five wide. More of a pro style offense. They want to throw the ball a lot, and um, so we've had a lot of success with having five linebackers and three secondary guys. We have eight. We have eight skill players. On the field on defense, um, which has been good. So again, just 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 adapting to what we'll see and what we'll typically have, and then and then as we've gotten better and better, our terminology has gotten better. We we teach it better. You know, we just every year you're in something, you just get a little bit better at, at the nuance. Okay. Um,
0: over the next few years, do you have any specific goals for KCD? I know we talked a little bit about recruiting, and then when it comes to high school, the the real. Way to do that is to put a good product out on the field, know who you are, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to goals going forward, not just this season, but over the next few years, does KCD football have any specific goals?
1: Sure. We had an opportunity to play at Kroger Field in 2020. We okay. played for the state championship and we lost. Um, but man, we played well. And, and the year before that, we actually had, we ran off 13 straight wins and lost in the semis. So we went 13-1, and one, wow. lost in the semis. And we followed that up with 10-2 and two the COVID year. We got cut short three games. Um, but we did get to play, thank goodness. And we made it to Kroger Field. And around that, that time, maybe right early 2019, a friend of mine who who's, a, who's coached for our middle school program and is now a dad, he said, look, if you don't say out loud that you want to be a state champion mm. and you want to win it, it's never going to happen. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? We're just going to start saying we're going to be state champions. And that's not the only goal we have, obviously. Sure. It's not win or bust, right? But I think we want to get back to Groger Field, and I think we want to win one. And uh, and I think that's why we do all this hard work for. And I think if we said anything less than that, we'd be sort of selling, selling our program and selling our kids short. Um, you know, so we want to win our district, of course. And we have district games. We have a – There's a four – every team's in a four-team district. So you need to win three games uh, out of your gear to do that. We want to make it – one thing we've always had a goal is to practice on Thanksgiving, which means you made it to the semis. Okay. okay. So if you get to practice Thanksgiving morning at nine, then you're playing in the semifinals the next day. Okay. uh, Which is a huge goal. Should be a goal for every high school team. You talk about cool. At nine o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving when you walk on the field and there's 200 people out there cheering – Um, you know, they line the sidewalk when you walk down to the field. I mean, that's, that's pretty special deal. The first year in 19 when we did that, I mean, not the tears. Yeah. I mean, just flowing, man, because you think about how long and hard you work to give the kids, you know, a memory like that, you know, and and you, you open the door and it's like, wow, look at all these people that, that really care, you know.
0: So big goal win a state championship. Um, maybe a slightly smaller goal, practicing on Thanksgiving, Huge. the morning of Thanksgiving.
1: Huge. If you can make it there, you've had a great year. And then obviously winning the district um, would be the sort of the number one goal. And then we always set a goal to win our first game. Oh, wow. Um, so this year we open up, we're playing at Eastern. Okay. If you know anything about Eastern, I mean, they're you know they're going to have about 2,500, 2,600 kids in their high school. Yeah, I was um,
0: thinking that's slightly different size school. We have
1: 300 in our high school. So, I mean, they're almost 10 times bigger. Uh, than us so again that's going to be a hard that's going to be a hard challenge um, for us but again you know we try to play up play a few bigger schools to try to get ready for later on down the line Uh, i coach John Eastern they do a phenomenal job with their program it's his second year there typically in second years uh, teams improve and make a little bump just because the coach has been there and got his system and things in place Um, but we're looking forward to going over there it's going to be a big game so we ought to you ought to come over and broadcast from from Eastern, you you probably never done a, a high school football game.
0: You know, I have not actually. I don't think. Um,
1: I don't think I have. That'd be at Eastern. What's the date? August nineteenth. So we go 19th. Kelly Patrick show on location.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll get Vic to come do the
1: color commentary
0: for my, you. My son will be an eighth grader at Crosby. Well, there you go. Yeah, so that's perfect right opportunity there. to yep, come. Yep, so that's right in that area. That'd be great. So. Um, very cool. So big game for you against Eastern to kick things
1: off. How many? How many games in the season? So we play 10 regular season games, and that's standard. Okay. So unless it's COVID, that's every year. Hopefully Nine. we
0: don't experience that again.
1: Yep, so you're going to play 10 games, and then the playoffs is actually five, Okay. which is really long. I was going to say end up that. With a 15-game a... season. Wow, okay. So the, first, uh, the state championship game is the first Friday in December. Hmm. So you're playing all the way into December. The year that we played, because of COVID, we played on December the 18th. So it was literally almost Christmas. Wow, um, which was crazy. But
0: anyway, so you had to it, you yeah. had to keep playing. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what you guys practice all. You know, not all year, but that's what you work work hard all year for.
1: You. Yeah, essentially all year the kids are working out and or practicing. There's there's rules in there about when you can and when you can't. But we, the kids work all year on on some aspect of what they're doing. Now they go to other sports, but we we pretty much keep them engaged in the weight room throughout. Okay.
0: Uh, Matthew Jones, I appreciate you coming on the show. Before we wrap things up, do you have any specific, I don't know, plugs or mentions you'd like to
1: say before we, we wrap the episode up? No, it's just great to have an opportunity to come on and talk about KCD football. You know, it, it's funny. I've been here 11 years, and, and we've had some success and our schools, you know, known to be a great school, and I still get questions. Coach, are you still playing eight-man football over there? You know, oh, okay. I'll, st- I'll, st- I'll still get that. Is that common that people do that? Eight Very man? common. Eight no, man? no, no, no. Eight-man oh. football is not common. Okay, but it's but common, it's that common I get for you question. to
0: hear, like, you guys did eight-man football. That's rare. Yeah,
1: and I'll, and I'll get, like, you know, now where is that school? Okay. You know, okay. I'll still get, you know, weird questions. You said it's the
0: best academic school in the state.
1: It's the best. It's the best. Is that an best. opinion? That's an opinion. Okay, okay. St. Francis does a great job. Collegiate okay. here in town does a great job, okay. but we have football and they don't. Okay, so okay. we're the best. Let's say this: the best academic football school in the state. Okay, um, and I think that's. I think you'd pretty much get unanimous opinion on, on us being that good, um, and I think that's that's what that's what we want to be. That's who we are. That's you, our that's that's our uh, identity. Do you enjoy teaching world history? Love it. Had so much fun doing that last year. What's your favorite part of teaching world history? Do you have a specific? part of world history that's your your niche you know we, I, i'm a big um well i taught u.s and that's what i sort of grew up grew up my cut my teeth teaching let's say um but in that class in my class now we don't really cover a ton of u.s history mm. we, we're literally covering the world um so it was fun for me to learn gosh i mean starting with the river valley civilizations and, mm. and going all the way through um you know world war ii uh, it was fun to just cover like you know people that you know, I hadn't studied or haven't done in the past, you know, obviously talk a lot about like Napoleon and a lot about, um, Alexander the great, and that was a fun, that was a fun week to talk about that and, and his life and the ancient Greeks and just things that I hadn't had a chance to study much before.
0: So you're continually learning while you're teaching.
1: Better be. Yeah. Okay. Better be, better be learning football and better be learning history, better be reading. Um, so anyway, so that's, um, that's uh, the fun of it.
0: Do you have any recent books you've read that are, are of uh, you know worthy of mentioning
1: that, that piqued I'm,
0: your interest? I'm reading 12 Rules of Life right now. My wife loves it. We saw Jordan Peterson when he came in town yep. a couple months ago or whatever it was. I She's, didn't know he
1: came to town.
0: So. He was here a couple months ago at the palace. It was really cool. My wife loves Jordan Peterson. I'm going to read the book. She's reading it a second time now. I'll start it here within the next week it's or so. It's a good
1: book. He's intense. You know, I'll try to go back and forth between a book like that. And something about either leadership or sports. Okay, read a ton of um, U.S. history. I read a ton of Abraham Lincoln. Mm. Tons. I mean, they keep pouring them out, and I just can't help. I can't help but buy them and read them. Um, But man, just you know, there's another one. um, Chris Vass. It was a book about his hostage negotiating. Mm. Um, It's it's really good. It's called Never Split the Difference. Okay, get a chance to read that. It's really good. And it's really he was an FBI negotiator, but really he tries to break it down more like um, in day to day. How to get what you want? How to how to ask questions of uh, you know other people that are tri- that are your superior or, or whatever? It, it's interesting. interesting. That was an interesting book to read. Never split the difference. And um, there's just I don't know. There's so many biographies, so many things to read. Um, but but I'm sort of stuck in that American history. Um, tons of Civil War. Mm. Um, Team arrivals is great. Battle Cry of Freedom. Um, tons of stuff about Grant. Um, just. In any leadership I can find, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated about how they grew up, what their style was, how they led, how they managed people, um, you know, just, just things like that about guys that were, were great leaders.
0: So, great stuff. Well, once again, Matthew Jones, I appreciate your time uh, promoting and supporting Kentucky Country Day football. Thank, absolutely. Thank you very much. I, I hope to be able to speak with you again at some point soon. Thank you. Awesome, Kelly. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.